HT. He released the voice of the blood against demons and every evil spirit that would accuse us, condemn us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Avoid the aftermath. Hallelujah. And that's one of our areas. Amen. That I told you that we're going to always go out with. And then we will close and greet this and this after we finish our teaching and um, our prayer. So that anything that the Lord God has spoken to us through word and his teaching, that the enemy cannot come and steal, kill, and destroy and take anything this from us. Because that's the problem. We're going to be all right. The Lord God is teaching us some great things, amen, in his teaching. And we welcome you. Pay so much close attention to me, amen. So, what I want to do is, I want to, what I want to do is, I want to, that we get an understanding in everything that we're doing. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to mute me off for a minute because I want to go through and start teaching. I don't want you to be focused so much on me. I need you to be focused on God. Hallelujah. And um, so I would like for you to open up your ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying on today. On last Thursday, this is our series two. Amen. That's why we're, we're, we're here, and we're going to be um, talking today um, about what we had talked about on last week. And one of the things that um, I promise is that we're going to definitely talk about that tongue being tamed, amen, because that's also a stronghold, amen, or a mouth, amen. Our mouth sometimes get in the way. Our mouth sometimes get us in trouble. And because of that, we always saying what the devil did, and a lot of times it's us, it's, it's us. That's speaking those things through our tongue. Amen. So um, we're going to be still talking. This is series two. And we're talking about destroying strongholds, footholds, and toeholds Satan created that tries to create in our life. Amen. Illegally. Because everything in all of this, he's doing it illegally. Amen. And we came and we stood on the scripture, um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so on last week, we we began to talk about strongholds and where they begin. And we also talked about us having the power and authority over these strongholds in our life once we identify them. Amen. But uh, I'm not going to go back over it. You can go back and listen to the recording from last week. I'm going to continue because this is going to be a long series. So I want to make sure that I stay in front of what God has me to stay in front of. But we said that a stronghold begins when we give Satan permission to enter into our life through disobedience. And then this permits him to what have control, amen? And then we begin to talk about the other things that 
he's able to do with these strongholds in our life. Amen. So we were talking about how do we identify strongholds in our life. Amen. Well, first of first things we said that we identify strongholds in be sin. Because the sins that we commit, we know we should not commit. Amen. And we said that a stronghold is something that has what? A strong hold over an individual. Something that holds them strongly. It's like a person being bound, like being chained or shackled. And you don't have the key to set yourself free. It's like bound in your mind, binding your thoughts, binding your speech, and, and just a stronghold that you have no control over it. And it's like you continue to do it when you know it's wrong. It's like when you tell one lie, you begin to tell another lie. Because that one lie, white lie, begins to turn into a lie that you begin to start believing your own lie. And that is a beginning. And Satan looks for our weaknesses. And he uses that as his ammunition against us. Then he looks for a vulnerable, a vulnerable place within us. And once he finds that vulnerable place, vulnerable place within us, then the stronghold begins. So now we have given him permission. So, like I said, some strongholds, um, for example, it's like lying. You know, when we go over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to give you some good scriptures because I want you to go back and study. And I want you to put all of this stuff together as I'm giving it to you. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you insight of all of the teaching as well. So I need for you to go to the book of Ephesians. Amen. God bless everybody. This is Soar International Outreach Network. I am Lady Apostle. And this is our Biblical Speaking Thursday. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4. Verses, let's start at verse, uh, let's start at uh, verse 22. No, let's start at verse 21. It says, if so be that you have heard him and you have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the formal conversation of what the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful what lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye may put on the new man, which after God is created, what? In righteousness and true holiness. So wherefore, 24, where, excuse me, 25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So one example of a stronghold is lying. And lying comes from what? The mouth. And the mouth has what? A tongue. And that tongue is what spit out those lies. So that's why I said I wanted to come and talk about taming the master, um, taming and mastering of the tongue. So he said, first of all, put away lying. So lying is a stronghold. Satan is, first of all, is what? A liar. He is what? Deceiving. So when we begin to lie, that is who our father is. Because Satan is a father of what? Lies. 
Jesus is a father of what? Truth. Two different tongues. Lies and truth. And if we're supposed to have put on the new man, which it just told us here, take away the old man, which was the lies. And now that we put on a new man, you cannot speak lies in a new man. Remember, that was in the old man. Only truth should come out of the new man. So, Apostle, how can we get rid of this stronghold dealing with lying? Well, first of all, we have to tame and master our tongue because lies come from our tongue. Without a tongue, you can't speak. Without a tongue, it's no words you can utter. So, first of all, James 3, let's go to James 3. Yeah, I'm, I'm lining everything up. I'm lining everything up right now. I'm lining it all up for you so that you can have an understanding on where the stronghold, how, how it takes such a hold. Because remember, God gave us the authority to what? Let it be. Because he says, let it be light. Remember when we talked about the power that we have when God created light, when God created everything by saying, let it be, and it was. So this same tongue that we're using to say, let it be a blessing is the same tongue we're using to lie. And if we continue to use this tongue to lie, there won't be a let it be because things won't come into existence because you're in the old man and your father has changed. You're under the father of lies, which is Satan. No longer are you under your heavenly father, who is the father of truth, because the father of truth don't lie. Amen. I'm just breaking it down for you. Amen. So one of the strongholds is lying. So when we go over to James chapter 3, amen, and let's go to verse, hold on, I want to go to verse 8, James 3, verse 8. No, I want to start, excuse me, I'm going up. I'm going to start at one because I want you to get an understanding. My brethren, but not many masters, knowing that we shall receive greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bring the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and turn about their whole body. But behold, also the ships, which though be so great, are driven of first winds, yet are they turned about with a very small hem. Whatsoever the governor listen. Five, even so the tongue is a little member. It's little, y'all. It's in our mouth. And boasts great things. This tongue talk too much. This tongue talk too loud. This tongue boasts great things. Behold, great a matter, little fire kindling. 
and the tongue is a fire. See, your tongue can set things on fire. Your tongue is a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiled the whole body and set on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and bird and serpent of the things in the sea is tamed and have been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. But therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and there curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. And out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things are not so to be. So what am I saying? First of all, let me talk a little bit about the tongue. The tongue is a movable organ in the floor of our mouth, in the in, in, inside of us. Amen. It has vibrates. Amen. It functions by us using it to eat and taste, to lick, to swallow, and also to articulate our speech. Amen. That's in a noun form. But now, coming into a verb form, it is a sound, a note distinctly on a wind instrument by interrupting the airflow with the tongue. See, the tongue is small, but it's powerful, both for good and for ill. is out of all proportion of it. The tongue projects our thoughts and the attentions of the heart because once it's in our thinking, in our mind, it then enters our heart. And whatever our heart our heart feel, we begin to speak. Amen. So it is from within, because out of the heart that the mouth speaks. Proverbs fifteen and four, a gentle tongue is a true of tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So that's why it's very important that we tame this tongue because it becomes a stronghold because we begin to say things that are not true. And the things that we say that are not true become corrupt communication. And then the next thing we are doing is lying. Amen. And when we begin to start lying, then we begin to slander and Malice comes out of our mouth. So that's why we have to master our tongue. Now, how do we master it? I'm glad you asked. Mastering deals with dominion. Mastering is a power of governing or commanding something to be. God gave us the ability to speak and to let it be whatever we say it would be. So he gave us the ability to master our words through our tongue on what we want it to be. But mastering the tongue is a spiritual maturity, okay? See, we have to understand that mastering our tongue is developed through our response 
and that sometimes is our suffering through our spoken word. So in our suffering or in our time of trouble, to make it easy for most of my listeners, we begin to say things that are sometimes a curse because we say we don't believe or it can't happen or because it did this in my mother's life or because it did this in my father's life or because they said I can't achieve these things. See, you have spoken that into existence because God gave us the authority in our mouth to speak and to let it be whatever we speak. So just because they speak that against you don't mean that you have to repeat it. You have to learn to master your tongue so that you can develop a a response that is positive. Amen. Our spoken word become our living word. So now our spiritual maturity is evidenced by the use of our tongue. So the mastering of the tongue is the fruit of us mastering ourselves by what we speak out of our mouth. So it's like the tongue is like a rudder on a ship. Our tongue steers our life. It's like a ship that is being steered. And if you steer the ship in the wrong direction, when the wind is at a full force, you may cause that ship to what? Turn over because you're riding into the wind. Usually the ship steers itself away from the way, the which way the wind is blowing. But most of the time we steer our lives into trouble that was not even ordained by God because of our tongue. We begin to speak things that are not. We begin to lie about things that are so petty because we have allowed Satan to control us with this stronghold of lying. And now we're so used to lying that we believe the lie. But likewise, we must be that tongue that can be steered wherever we want it to go. We're like the pilot or the sailor on the ship or the pilot that is driving the airplane. You know, you have to know which way you're going. The tongue is a small muscle. That does quite a lot. It serves primarily as a facilitator of digesting because we use our tongue to chew, to swallow, and also we use it as a language facilitator. But the dangers of letting go of our tongue is much like the danger of letting go of the ship rudder especially during a storm because the storm becomes violent. The ship begins to be tossed to and fro. And the worst thing we can do during this storm is let go of the rudder, which is our tongue. 
So we sometimes run under debt or below the surface because the enemy have overtaken us through this stronghold because now we have become vulnerable. He have used this as an ammunition against us. A weakness that we face but have so much pride which is another stronghold that won't allow us to get help when we need it. And it's like we have lost our course and the ways is now having its way. And we're going to be like a piece of the wood of that ship if the storm breaks it apart. Just like our tongue when we speak violent, negative, compassion words to people. You know, the tongue can destroy a person's esteem. Amen. The tongue, hallelujah, determines the direction of our life. It's just like a rudder. It determines the direction on where we're going to go. Are we going to go and continue to speak truth or are we going to go and continue to speak lies? There's nothing in it for us speaking lies, but being connected to the father of lies. It's nothing in us for speaking lies, but the hellfire. We must be of truth. I'm breaking this down because a lot of times we can know all these other strongholds, which I'm going to talk about, but it is our tongue that gets in the way for all these other strongholds, what I'm going to give you examples of, to come into play. Because when we begin to steal, it is our mouth that begins to speak to the thing that we desire that is not ours or don't belong to us without paying for it. So we begin to speak to our inner self and lie to our inner self and say, oh, it's not going to hurt if I just take it this one time. Or they won't know that it's gone. But it's the lie that's in your mind. And it's the lie that you believe. And the one time becomes a million times. So now you're just a thief. And we understand that Satan, amen, hallelujah, he comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? And when we don't confront Satan by using our spiritual authority and our weaponry to destroy the strongholds and lying and stealing, then we continue to be just like him. Because he continues, like God reminds us in John 10 and 10, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. It all lining up. But we must understand that James, in the book of James, he sees that the tongue is an instrument of extraordinary power out of all proportion of its size. Hallelujah. So, our speech and silence appropriately express or together the mark of our maturity. Amen. 
For the tongue is difficult, indeed impossible to tame naturally. Why? Because as we have also seen, it exercises power and control. Everybody want power. Everybody want control. But you have to be very careful in the power and the control that you're seeking after. Because words can consume and destroy a life tongue that roams the wilds quick to defend itself. And it's become so swift to attack others. It is anxious and it subdues them and also is marked by evil. That's why the Bible reminds us their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. Again, another one of Satan's strongholds is he is a deceiver. Hallelujah. So no matter how much we try to tame the tongue, there's no way that we can do it. We have to ask God to help us to tame our tongue because the thing is this we as men and women boy and girl have no ability in taming our tongue because with it we bless our lord and our father and then with it we curse people who are made into the likeness of god we curse people because we don't like what they're wearing. They have what we want. We are jealous of their anointing. We want what we see they, they have. And we begin to curse them out of our own mouth, saying, I wish they fell. Or they ain't going far. Their ministry not going to grow. Oh, you know, these are words that are negative. And these are curse words. Amen. See, this is the thing. The ability to communicate our thoughts and our feelings is a marvelous gift from God. So how can we use this gift to build up and not to tear down? We should exemplify our speech to be Christ-like by choosing the right time to speak. The right time and at every time to tell the truth and selecting the most truthful words that we can find and be so gracious in our speech. That's what we need to ask God to help us to tame. So let's talk about three important aspects of mastering our tongue through speech. The first one is when to speak, what to speak, and how to speak starting when when to speak it's like speech is part of our daily life but we do not need to talk all the time in fact the bible says that there is a time to be silent ecclesiastes 3 and 7 right and then it says maintaining silence when others are speaking can be a mark of respect job 6 and 24 and controlling our tongue to keep quiet about a confidential matter gives evidence of discretion and discernment, Proverbs 20 and 19. And restraining our tongue when we are provoked is the course of wisdom, 
Amen. So that we don't what? Slander nobody. There go the word slander. I'm tying it all in. That is when to speak. Psalms 4 and 4. What to speak? Okay. Jesus, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12 and 34. But therefore, choosing the prophet, excuse me, the appropriate words begins in where? The heart. Our speech usually reflects how we truly feel about others. Amen? Let a person press the heart. It will press how you really feel about that person, even though you're smiling in their face, even though you may have even helped them. But if they push the wrong button in your heart, you will see how they really feel. If our hearts are full of love and compassion, our speech will likely be positive and upbuilding. So selecting the proper words also involves mental effort and good judgment. So even King Solomon, he pondered and made a thorough search in order to find delightful words and to record accurate words of truth. Now, how to speak? Our gracious speech, speech appeals to the heart and in no way weakens the power of our tongue. So in fact, graciousness can make our speech more persuasive. Proverbs 25 and 15. We can imitate Jesus' gracious speech by being kind, courteous, and considerate of others' feelings, seeing the effort a crowd made to hear him speak. Remember, Jesus was moved with pity and started to teach them many things. Mark 6 and 34. Even when he was being insulted, Jesus did not resort to harsh speak. 1 Peter 2 and 24. So Jesus did not slander nobody. His communication was not corrupt. His he did not have bitterness. These are these are examples of strongholds. He didn't have bitterness. He didn't have wrath. He didn't have anger. He didn't slander or cause any malice. Amen. He 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 did not. But these things that I'm mentioning are examples, hallelujah, of strongholds. Amen. These are truly examples of the strongholds that we're talking about. Amen. So even in all of this, other examples of our sinful activity that can become strongholds is unforgiveness. When we have unforgiveness in our heart, when people have done us wrong, that is also a stronghold. And you're wondering, why can't I break free? Why things are not happening for me? I see everybody else around me being blessed. I'm coming to church. I'm doing everything in the ministry. I'm working in the ministry. I'm going out doing this in the ministry, but there's no fruit. We need to check our heart. Is there any unforgiveness? Is there any bitterness? Is there any disappointment? Is there any grief? Is there any feelings of rejection? 
Is there any negative self-image? Is there any depression? Is there any addictions? Is there any sexual, hallelujah, activities or any occult environment, involvement? Is there any lying, corrupt communication, wrath, stealing? What is this? Is any of these in my heart? See, we are created as the image of God to bless God. It is a, uh, it's hypocrisy, excuse me, it's hypocrisy, double-mindedness in seeing to bless God and then casually curse those who have been made as his likeness. We lift our hands and bless God in one, on one side. And then if somebody look at us wrong or say the wrong thing, we say negative things to curse them on the other side. God forbid. You cannot live in the image of God and be blessed by God on one end, hallelujah, and then on the other end, cursing your brother or your sister or gossiping about them or sowing discord about them. We do it all day in the church. We talk about one another in the church. We go from one leader to the next leader. Uh, members leave one church, go to another church because the, um, the, the pastor said this, the apostle said that, the prophet said this, it, they wasn't right, this is what happened, and now I left. But did God tell us to leave? Did God tell us to get up? A lot of times we, 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 we hold over all these things in our hearts because we have not yet been healed from past rejection from past bitterness, from past dis, um, um, disappointment, from past unforgiveness, from past rejection, past self, low self-esteem, past depression, past anger, past bitterness. We have not been delivered. So when one thing hit us, we say, we gone. We get up and we say, well, God said, did he say? Truly. If the truth be told, no. But because we are offended. But if we are living in the image of God to bless God, how can we then curse somebody else that's in the same likeness of God? That's double-mindedness. You cannot be double-minded. If you're double-minded, the image you cannot live in the image of God. See, the Bible continues to remind us, Proverbs 4, 23 and 24. Let's go there. I'm putting word on this because it's the word of God that's going to set you free. Because every time when God gives the men and women of God a word, and if a person is offended, the first thing they say is, they're preaching against me. No. This is word. The word needs to hit you like bricks and knock you down like bricks. The word of God. Because when the word of God knocks you down like bricks, then you know that you are being what? Transformed. You are being renewed in your mind. The word of God needs to hit you like bricks. Because it needs to change your mindset. It needs to change your corruptness. Amen. See, Proverbs 4, 
going to Proverbs 4, verse 23. Let's go. No, let's start at 21. Let them not depart from their eyes. Keep them in the midst of their heart, for they are life unto those that find them and help to all their flesh. Keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If you have somebody in your life that is giving you truth, you are a lucky somebody because you know who their father is, Jesus Christ. But if a person cannot tell you the truth because they don't want you to leave the ministry, because they don't want you to stop sowing whatever you've been sowing, or they don't want to lose you and they telling you lies, and saying that you're so perfect and there's nothing you need to change, their father is Satan, and you're in the wrong place. If you're saying that you want to go to heaven, you need to be under somebody whose father is Lord Jesus Christ. Because Satan is the father of lies. He's going to continue to lie to you to make you feel good. You need the truth. You need, uh, you need, you, you need, you need the word of God to hit you like bricks to knock you out so that you can get truth. That's right. I ain't talking about getting naturally knocked out. I'm talking about spiritually getting knocked out with the word of God. Because when you get spiritually knocked out with the word of God, guess what? Your mind is being renewed. Your mind is being changed. Your mind is being reformed. Because your mind cannot be transformed yet until it's reformed. Because everything that's old has to come out because the new man can't take in old wine. You have to take in new wine. So everything has to first be reformed, meaning taking out, so that the new, the truth. 24, it says, put away from thee a frown mouth, and a perverse lips put far from thee. Let their eyes look right on, and let their eyelids look straight before thee. Amen. See, we need to make sure that we put away our crooked speech and our devious talk. Amen. Because sometimes what we say is not good. Put away from thee a forward mouth, perverse lips put far from thee. The same thing as a crooked speech and a devious talk. We need to guard our heart. Amen. Guarding the heart involves guarding the tongue. Because when we are guarding the tongue, we're guarding our heart. Amen. And to, hallelujah, to, and to do this, amen, we need to learn to say, I will make a covenant with my tongue unto God, not unto myself, or not unto the devil. Because when we make it unto ourselves, it's the flesh. But we need to make it into God. See, the word of God helps us in mastering our tongue. It allows our tongue to be cleansed and transformed by what comes from it. Because we're now using wisdom on what we're speaking. Because now we know that this tongue belongs to God. So as our heart hears with our open ears, the word of God again and again, then it begins to renew and it begins to produce and reform 
and transform our tongue. Amen? And the principle in all of this is what comes out of our mouth is more and more determined by what has come out of the mouth of God. So when we're in the word of God, that means that our tongue is being evoked with God's word. Our tongue is being sanctified in God's word. So the sanctification of the tongue is working in us and is driven by the word of God. Amen. So when we begin to hear it, we begin to dwell in it. We begin to receive it. And we're no longer speaking corruptly. We're no longer lying. We're no longer stealing. We no longer have a corrupt communication. Bitterness is far from us. Wrath is not near us. Anger has not come upon us. Slander and malice is not within us. Amen. So disappointment will be far from our dwelling. Unforgiveness won't be in our heart. Bitterness definitely won't come to our doorstep. Feeling rejected won't be in our vocabulary. Amen. So no matter what graces us that we may have developed, if we have not been able to master our tongue through God's word, we are empty and have no grace. So we become graceless. There's no mercy. So we need to learn how to master our tongue. Amen. Let me help you, please. Paul reminds us, every mouth shall be stopped. So you are rendered speechless. You are not, we are not those Christians or believers that we supposed to be unless we have been made speechless. Humility is birthed through being speechless. Sometimes you don't have to say nothing. That's the most powerful tool that you have. Being speechless has so much power in it. We should and we definitely need to make sure that we ask God for wisdom. Wisdom to speak and to do. Because with a single mind and an open heart, we can receive what God has for us through his word. Because James 1, 5 and 8 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him in faith, no doubting. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, to boast only in my own exaltation in Christ or in my humilities in the world, it's nothing. I'm not boasting in myself. I'm boasting in Christ. Because the Bible reminds me, James 1 and 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. So we must resolve it. We need to set a watch over our mouth. Right? Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Because that's a lie. God is not a God to be tempted by evil 
or with evil. And he himself tempts no one. So we must be constantly quick to hear and slow to speak. Hallelujah. Because James 1 and 19 tells us, know this, know this, know this, know this, beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Hallelujah. Don't be so quick to want to say something. Because sometimes you you saying what you're saying, a lot come out. We need to speak words of restoration when we see another one wandering. We need to speak a word of restoration when we see one fall, when we see one that's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because James 5, 19 and 20 says, My brother, if any one among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wonder will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So let's not speak negative when we see people wonder. When we see people that have lost the faith, let's pray. Let's take the authority that we have been given. We need to understand the authority that God has given unto us. Because we allow these strongholds to take over us. Amen? We must not allow these strongholds to take over us. Amen? And the reason why is because we need to make sure that we pull down strongholds and destroy them amen because like a vine that is not pulled out at the root would choke out the life of a healthy bush sin not cut out at the root would take over and control and would choke out the life of you so when you see it you need to understand how to recognize strongholds See, strongholds can differ greatly from each other, but certain characteristics are common. Strongholds are stubborn. Amen. They seem impossible to break. They cannot be broken down through religious activity, nor through our own strength. They will soon reappear. Strongholds are irrational. They don't make sense. An offensive habit can become addictive. It can ruin your life. It can ruin your health. Make your life miserable. It can even shorten your life. Strongholds are uncontrollable. It's a pattern of behavior. And it becomes a habit. And you cannot stop doing it. Sometimes you, you feel like, oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm anxiety. Oh, I just don't feel good. You allow these feelings to overtake you. When really in reality, it is you're not depressed. One little thing in life has hit you. So you allow your depression to take over you. I'm not saying that depression does not exist because it does. But you have the power to overcome that depression by speaking positive words through the word of God. Now some are not believers. So Spiritually, you have to connect with somebody that can come against these strongholds through prayer and breaking the root of this unbelief because it begins to control the way you think and it controls your temper. It controls different things 
that you begin to do because when you begin to feel depressed then you feel out of control you begin to isolate yourself from others you begin to take yourself away and be abandoned you abandon yourself away from those that can really help you or speak life into you because the enemy that made you be offended with everybody and made you feel like everybody is against you made you feel like everybody's talking about you and nobody likes you it is a way that the enemy tries to put a stronghold in your mind to make you feel like you're not loved to make you feel like you're not important because everybody want to have a sense of belonging everybody want to belong to something and when a person feel like they don't have something that they belong to then they reach out into the deep in areas of darkness and when they connect to those things in darkness it begins to show them a false love and then they fall in love with this false love but what it's doing is is making them go deeper and deeper into a depression and go deeper and deeper into being captured by this stronghold of control of their mind to make them be choked up and now satan has begun to root them into his tactics and and made an entry for him to enter and now the spirit of bondage the spirit of pride the spirit of fear the spirit of rejection all these spirits demonic diabolical spirits begin to overtake you and now the strongholds are counterproductive meaning something we do or use that we think will help us feel better it will relieve stress or maybe help us to sleep now we're taking sleeping pills now we're drinking now i mean i'm just saying these are ways that the enemy tricks you into feeling like oh maybe i could just take another drink and it put me to sleep or maybe I can just take another sleeping pill so I can go to sleep. Uh-uh. That's not going to relieve your stress. That's not going to relieve you to heal you, to bring you back up out of this pattern, this uncontrollable stronghold that have taken over you. Now you become addicted. Now addiction. And now it brings you into a place of almost death, spiritual then satan begins to work on you naturally amen amen glory to god hallelujah come on y'all get somewhere come on y'all just go ahead and take a couple minutes here Because of those things, amen. So now, now you become a counterpart. Excuse me. You become. You become. You feel like, oh, I gotta take sleeping pills to go to sleep. Oh, now, now these things can become addictive because it's like every night you're saying, oh, if I don't take this pill, I can't go to sleep. Or every night, if I don't take a drink to make me feel calm, I, I won't be alright. 
And now, as a Christian, as a believer, you feel like, oh, if I drink a little wine, it's nothing. Ah, the devil is a liar. Wine is a substance that is a drug. It's, 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 not, it, it, it's not okay. And we as believers is telling other believers that it's okay to drink wine. And that is a lie from the pits of hell. That is a lie from the pits of hell. And then they take you to scripture and say, well, Paul said a little bit for the stomach. Ah, come on. No. Because after a while, if you have not drank and you begin to drink, then you become what? Drunken. Hello? And the spirit of drunkenness. Uh Uh-huh. Then the spirit of addiction of alcohol. I'm going to tell you something. The alcohol demon hate me and I hate him too. Anytime I come encounter with the spirit of alcoholism, I'm always in a spiritual warfare. But I always win because I plead the blood of Jesus against it. Some people are going to click off of here. Some people ain't going to stay on because they may be drinking and say, oh, Lord, she's talking to me. Like I tell you, the word of God needs to hit you like bricks. <laughs> Hallelujah. It needs to knock you down like bricks because when the word of God knocks you down like bricks, then guess what? Deliverance comes. I don't want to be in no place hearing the word of God if it's not knocking me out like bricks. I need the word of God to knock me down like bricks. Amen? Because it's got to be true. it got to be real. Because anything that's a lie is the father of lies, which is Satan. And he ain't my daddy. My daddy is the father of truth, Jesus Christ. So now, every night you're saying, well, let me take a drink because it's going to put me to sleep. Oh, let me take this pill. It's going to make me sleep. That is a lie from Satan. You're becoming addictive to a drug that's now causing you spiritual death. And then eventually down the line, it can bring natural death. Hallelujah. See, a thing Satan tempts us to use to cope with or to cure our problems will only produce more frustration. He, he makes us feel like, oh, this is going to cure us. But can I help you? The only cure is... And let me tell you, the prescription doesn't cost much. Matter of fact, it doesn't cost anything at all. All you got to do is believe in your heart. That prescription is Jesus Christ. And that's the best prescription that we can ever get. Because when you go to the drugstore and you get your prescriptions, you got to pay money. And if you ain't got no money, and if if your back hurting, you ain't getting no pain pills. But if you call on Jesus, he can touch that back. And heal that back. Come on now. Without no pills. Now, he may get you some pills, but you won't stay on those pills. Amen? It may be something because we don't take away doctor's wisdom. Amen? God, you know, the doctor may give you, prescribe you a medicine. But we don't stand on that medicine like that. We don't believe that it's the medicine that's going to heal us. No. It is God that is going to heal us. But we take the medicine because we know that this is part of our, the plan. But when we get the word in us so strong, and I'm not telling you to do this, you know, it's the word of God, your faith, that will allow healing to just come like never before. It's not like you're being disobedient by not taking your prescription. But after a while, 
when the Spirit of God tells you that you are already healed. Because by my stripes, I've already died. And because I've died, resurrected, and I live, and I still live, you are already healed. So I tell you to say, pray for good health. But you have to do the right things in order to have good health. You can't be smoking and saying, I'm going to have good health. Because we know smoking can bring what? Cancer. But we know smoking sometimes is caused by strongholds. Because maybe we have some grief, some disappointment, some depression. So we may go lean on a cigarette or go lean on some weed or go lean on some drugs, cocaine or whatever. Because at that particular time, that is a hit that we need to calm our nerves, that we feel that we need to calm our nerves. But really, that is nothing but just a crutch that we lean on because we don't want true deliverance, because we don't want God to step in. We don't want to see the, the real power of God because we have allowed the enemy to trick us, to tell us that if we take this, we do this, we smoke this, everything going to be okay because guess what? We feel better after we do that. Right? When we smoke, it's weed or we drink. We feel good. We happy. We laughing. Sometimes we cry, but then we feeling good. But after a ways off, you back in the same circumstance. Am I lying? Am I lying? So how could that have helped you? It makes you what have a pity party. Because now you back in that puddle of tears, pitying all over again. And now you gotta take another hit, another drink another smoke you got to take all these things to get back to feeling good again when all you got to get and have is jesus christ as your deliverer amen and i know you said well apostle it's easy for you to say that no because i had to go through those things too and it took me to finally say enough is enough i couldn't do it i could not heal myself from the addiction i couldn't heal myself from the lying, the stealing, the cheating, whatever. I'm just saying, all of us do it in a way. It may not be the way that we pick up something in the store, but stealing can be stealing about somebody's thoughts. or So stealing can be in any way. So we can recognize that strong code exists by seeing a reoccurring hostile thought through our feelings, through our behavior patterns, and our habits. And we continue to have those same negative patterns, those same negative habits, those same hostile thoughts. Those are strongholds. Amen. And that's why we use deceit, intimidation, manipulation to always try to get our way so that Satan can continue to have such a control over us. So when a person has the habit of lashing out violently or uncontrollably and becomes angry or always turns his anger, her anger inwardly and allows bitterness control or consume their life, there's a stronghold present. 
If you have a high temper, a quick temper, that's a stronghold. You need to get to the root. Why are you, why are you snapping just because a person didn't speak to you? Can I help you? That's a, that's, that's, that's a stronghold of what? Rejection. Because you have been rejected all your life, pretty much. So when one person didn't speak to you and another person didn't speak to you, it became a norm. So you would lash out. Like, oh, I know you saw me. Why didn't you speak to me? Because the last person that saw you didn't speak to you. So this person, really, it's not that they didn't see you. They saw you, but maybe they was going through something that they really didn't see you. Because sometimes when we're going through something, we don't see you. And it's not personal. We're going through something. But because your past, the past, the person before me didn't say nothing, you already assume that I saw you and I ain't say nothing. Rejection. A stronghold. Until you overcome that, if nobody speaks, you're going to always have a mood of, oh, why didn't you speak to me? So what if nobody don't speak to you? And you just speak. And if they don't speak back, guess what? You did your part. Amen? But we get so moved when people don't speak to us. And guess what? People are usually aware of their wrong behavior. <laughs> Amen? And often try to deal with their hostility through manipulating other people, intimidating other people controlling other people and then they'll go drink smoke do all what they do lie steal and then come back and try to make you feel this certain way amen because of their wrong behavior because the enemy is using them to make you feel guilty to make you to draw you in so that your anger your hostility can come out because once your anger hostility come out, then he also take control over you. So now y'all both angry and hostile. So now he done got both of y'all, but y'all both say y'all Christians. So who won? <laughs> I'm just saying. And that's what happened. One person can look one way, the next person can look another way, then next thing you know, this person a happy person, next thing you know, they mad. Ah, why? Because they looked at me wrong. Okay, if a person staring, say, hey, how you doing? It may be the glory on your life. The light may be shining on you. The reason why they're looking at you, it ain't because they're jealous of you. It's because they got one, what you got. They see the glory of God on your life. They see a light. They're like, ooh, it's something about that woman. It ain't even about money. It ain't about power. It ain't about none of that. It's something about that woman. Every time she comes, it's like she just brings just a joy. She brings a, a, a spirit of happiness. She brings just a, a happy, you know, I, I wonder what it is. So they just looking at you. And then you look like, why they keep looking at me? Ah, the enemy begins to lie to you. Like, yeah, they staring at you. Yeah, maybe they don't like you. Ah, no, they love you. Don't you know they're wanting to see what could they do to maybe do what you do to make them look like you look because you look so bright. And somebody say to you, you shining. When somebody say you shining, that don't mean that you just pretty. You shining because it's the glory. God. They see God. They're not looking at you like God, but they see God. They see the glory. 
They see God. They, you know, they, they feel his love. They feel his presence. They feel comfort. They don't feel fear no more. Remember when Satan had them bowed, they feel fear. They fearful. Not fearful of God, but walking in fear. And God don't give us the spirit of fear. They feel intimidated. They feel just a mess. But when they come around you, they feel big. They feel happy. They feel jolly. They feel joy. They feel happiness. They feel like running. They feel like screaming. They feel like praising. They feel like, hey. They're like, oh, I got to be around you more because you don't even know what I've just come out of. When I'm over here, I'm all dog. I'm unhappy. I'm missed. You just notice me staring at you. Oh, can I tell you why I'm staring at you? Because I see God. We don't even give people a chance to say why they stand at us because we'd be like, why are you standing at me? Do you know me? Uh, you don't need to be standing at me. Blah, blah. You might as well say it. You don't say it, but that's what you're saying with your face. Because it's, you don't smile. Every time somebody stand at me, I'd be smiling like, <laughs> they probably be like, what's going on? Because I've overcame that. Satan can't, Satan can't get that one off on me. Because I know that I'm used as an instrument to bring light in a dark place. And because I'm used as God's instrument to bring light in a dark place, I'm going to shine. And that means that I'm going to rise, I'm going to shine, I'm going to let my light come, and I'm going to be bright, and I'm going to say, hey, how you doing? What's up? Amen? And then they're going to be like, wow, she don't even know me. That's right. But you're looking. Can I help you? Let me tell you, you just gave me, you just gave me an invitation to tell you how good my God is. See, you don't want to just throw Jesus on people. You don't want to just go talk to them about he coming that one with that Bible. No, but when a person go through all of that, you're able to say, let me tell you about why I'm looking so bright. Let me tell you why I'm shining so bright. Let me tell you about my God. My God is a big God. My God is a powerful God. My God is a majestic God. My God is a God of glory. My God is Jesus Christ. But the first thing we do, we scrunch up our fists like, why they staring at me? She, I know she don't like me. I sing in the choir and I know I sing good. Hey, they ain't even thinking about that. They're looking at you because you bring something to the table that brings them joy. But see, that comes from vain glory. See, when a person act like that, they got a lot of vain glory in them. Well, why they looking at me, you know? Thank God, God considered you to let them look at you. Because remember, you was in darkness. But it's only because of God that allowed this light to be on you. So how dare you frown at them because they're looking at you because they see a light in you. You need to go do a spiritual checkup. Because you don't know what it took for that person just to get your attention by you looking at them. You're supposed to at least smile. Say, hello, how are you? Amen. I went out today. And I had on my, uh, it's something about my little furry hats. I don't know. They made me look like a million dollars. Amen. And um, I went out, and the one little lady, I got, um, I, I took my little therapy today. I'm taking my water therapy. And I was in there. I just had my regular swimming suit on, my shirt and my thing, and I had my little hairband on. And um, so I couldn't get my hair wet. And the little lady, she about 60, 75 years old, she was like, you just look just so sparkling, honey. And I was like, thank you, mother. Just automatically, she just was like a mother to me because, you know, I respect people that are older than me, you know, not just because they're age, but I just always kind of look up to them and say, mother, you know, 
And I was like, and you just look so sparkly too, Miss Lady, you know, right back. Because we should encourage one another. We should look, lift up one another. Amen. So it's something about those hats that God had me wear. And today was a nice day. It wasn't a cold, cold day for that hat. But it was something for that hat. Because when they saw that hat, they was like, oh, I like that hat. I like what you, you just coordinate everything. Even my nephew that's four years old, he sat next to me. He said, Amy, I like your fashion. Your stuff match. He five. He said that to me. He said, how do you have it match? I'm just saying. So I'm saying you don't know how people are looking at you. So that's why your presentation, your representation, your presentation and your representation should always be for God's glory. Because you don't know who you're going to bless when you come out. Not just what you're wearing, but your smile, your heart, your words. Amen. Y'all, this is getting so good, okay? And then it says, um, yes, because it didn't, like I said, it it didn't also, it allowed it to continue so long that it will produce physical illness. Because don't you know, most people that have cancer, tumors, it comes from what? Unforgiveness. It comes from bitterness. It comes from anger. They hold things so long, they even take it to the grave. And that tumor could have what? been dissolved, disappeared, but because they have so much anger in their heart, and they sit in church like, hallelujah, but he just said to us, how can we bless the Lord from one mouth and then curse from the other? There's no way. So a lot of times we bring physical illness on ourselves, stronghold, and we say, oh, it's because of our family line. No, because we can destroy the yokes in our generation and generations that were before us. But we don't have to suffer those same illnesses that they suffer, even though it's hereditary. But we can break that curse by living right, by having a loving heart, by having an open heart unto God. But when we allow bitterness, unforgiveness, selfishness, we a lot of us is selfish. We act like on the outer like we're giving, but really we're selfish. We won't give off of our back. We won't give out of our own need. We won't give out of us not. But the blessing in everything is when you can give out of your need. When you can give even when it has not even happened for you. When you can give even when it puts you in a place where you know that you don't even have room to give. But you do it because you want to bless others. It takes the selfishness out of you. Because if you're willing to give out of your own need and give out of your own knowing that this right here can, can really set you back. But because you know they need it. That takes away that selfishness because God sees that you say, you know what, I'm content with what I have. I'm content with what you're giving me, God. I don't have to have this or that. It's good that I have it, but I have it to be a blessing to others. I have it to give to others. 
Like that was a beautiful thing you did um, Sunday, and I love you for it, and you just, I'm, I'm blessed from it. But it touched me, you know? It really touched me. And um, and I thank God for just the blessings, amen? So spiritual strongholds, okay, are they the same? Are spiritual strongholds the same? No. Okay, a stronghold is an area of weakness that Satan attacks when we open the door to allow him entry through disobedience. That's how strongholds come. When we open up doors in our life, let me tell you something, parents. The reason why most of us is having a lot of sometimes issue with our children. Now, it's not all the case because sometimes our, we just have some disobedient children. I know for sure, okay? But I'm just saying, when we have doors open up in our life, when we're disobedient in our own life, we open up the doors in our children's life because we are the priest of the household. And because we're the priest, hallelujah, and we take the atonement of their sin, our sin, and we lay before God, and we ask God to cover us, and the blood of Jesus to cover everything, but when we go outside of that covenant and disobey God, then we open the door to allow Satan to come into the back door to our children. Most of our children, faith is not strong. So it is through our prayers, through our faith, that's been holding up the hedges in their life. And because we have, we're walking in some form of disobedience, and it don't always mean like the sin, fornicating, stealing, lying, um, sowing discord, gossiping, all that. It can be just disobedient. God told you to bless somebody and you didn't even bless them. That's disobedient. God told you to go somewhere to do something. You didn't do it. That's disobedient. God told you, stop eating certain things. You didn't do it. That's disobedient. That opens doors. Because strongholds is an area of weakness that Satan attacks when we open the door to allow him entry through disobedience. And once we open the door, Satan and his spirits begin to control through the stronghold. So the spirit is energizing the force behind the stronghold. That's why it says, 70 spirits, I mean, seven spirits times 77, it comes. After one leave, another one, that's why it, the spirits come so doubly. Because when you open that door and that stronghold comes, because remember, each spirit is attached to a spirit. So unforgiveness, attached to bitterness, attached to anger, attached to wrath, attached to um, um, slander, attached to murder, attached to what? Pride, attached to what? It keeps attaching itself. Spirits come behind spirits because they are connecting force. And when you connect once, it's like a chain. A chain connects and it keeps connecting. So it energizes the force behind the stronghold. So the stronghold is the symptom. The spirit is the root of the problem. So it's like this. An addiction is a stronghold that becomes controlled by a spirit of what? Bondage. A spirit of self-righteousness is a stronghold controlled by a spirit of what? Pride. So when we sow self-righteous, what? Pride comes. Because that means that it's not our righteousness. It means it's not God's righteousness. It's our own righteousness because we say it is. Pride comes. The spirit of what? Leviathan. And Leviticus is what? A strong spirit. Why? Because his scales is hard. Come on. We know about the sea 
when we listen, some of us think pride is just being so arrogant. This is pride when you know you in need and you have been a blessing to everybody, but you come to a time where you need help. And because you just been that blessing to everybody, you don't want to bother. No, you say, well, I just don't want to bother nobody. I'm okay. But guess what? You need help. But you don't ask. That's pride. That's pride. Because you're being so self-righteous. Oh, you depended only on yourself. Well, guess what? Everybody have depended on you. And guess what? You just can't do it anymore. You just have given your own. It's over. And because of that, you need help. And it's okay. We all need help. It comes to a time where somebody got to hold your arms. Somebody got to lift up your arms. You don't lift up the whole country arms. Who going to lift yours? You understand? Pride. Amen. That is pride. Hallelujah. And then here it go. It says that when pride, yeah, I broke all this down. I wanted to make sure that I get all of this in here. This is juicy. And it says that um, phobia is controlled by the spirit of fear. Phobia. When a person has a spirit of phobia, they scared of heights. They scared of uh, elevators. They scared of, you know, dogs. I had to be delivered from the spirit of fear because I don't like dogs. Hallelujah. Phobia, dog phobia, hallelujah. But I overcame the uh, cat, okay? You see that, amen, you witnessed it. So how to overcome strongholds, I'm glad you asked. Satan used strongholds in our lives to trap us and to render us powerless. Because remember, he has no, what? Authority. We have authority and power. If he can render us of our power, then guess what? He takes our authority. He's power. He got power. We got power, but he don't have authority. So if he can render us powerless, then that means he can what? Steal our authority. And then he, guess what he does? When he steal our authority, he use us to speak it. That's how that tongue become untamed. Because we be we now say, let there be hell. <laughs> let there be doubt. Oh, I can't. Oh, I won't. Powerless. He rendered you powerless. You lost your authority. We got authority over demons. See, when we talk about evil angels, uh, feathering giants, demonic activity in the underworld, it is easy to become fearful and afraid. So before we dive deeper into this, I want you to know that as a born-again believer, you have power over the devil and all his demons. Amen? Satan has been called a lion, 1 Peter 5 and 8, a serpent, 12, Revelation 12, 9, and a dragon, verse 13. But God declares, thou shalt tread upon the lion, the adder, the young lion, and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. Psalms 91 and 13. So we can depend upon this because Jesus, God's son, gave us his word and promise. He says, I give you authority. Come on, he didn't give Satan authority, y'all. I give you authority over all the power. He only gave him the power. He the prince of the air. Power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means what hurt you. Luke 10 and 19. So you got to stand on what? The promise.
God. What did God say? I don't care what Jack said. What did God say? I don't care what they said. What did God say? Until you that fear my name shall the sign of righteousness arise and healing in his wings, and you shall go forth, and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the sole of your feet. Malachi 4, 2 and 3. Yep, I got scriptures, I got words. So the key to your victory is found in the first six words. Until you that fear my name. The reason why y'all ain't got to use and understand the power and authority that y'all got is because you're not fearing the Lord. The, it says it right here. It says here. It says, until you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. So there's no more sickness. There's no more disease. There's no more cancer. There's no more COVID. There's no more um, drunkenness. There's no more addiction, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar. Because you fear my name. And because you fear my name, the son of righteousness arise and healing in his wings. So that means in our wings, we got healing. And guess what? We going forth. And we are what? Tread down. When we go forth and walk, the wicked, we are under our what? Soles of our feet. So you got to know how to walk. You the People used to say, tell me I walk hard. I said, I know because I'm stepping that devil down under the sole of my feet. Now I understand why I walk hard. God gave me the authority in my feet. So six words. Until you fear, until you that fear my name. If you reverence, respect, and fear God, you will never have to worry about the devil. Understand who you are in Christ. It gives you the authority to command Satan to what? Flee. Mark 16 and 17. And remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4 and 4. It is time to send the devil packing under your feet. Can Satan control you? Well, let me help you. As we have studied the works of the devil, be forewarned. Demons react. If you're walking in disobedience, yes, we just said that strongholds can take over you when you open up the door to allow him entry through what? Disobedience. So they will unleash their arrows to attack your thoughts. They'll first start with your thinking. They'll then begin to confuse your thinking, make you think that something heavy is on your head. They'll make you think that something is on you. Come on. I know that I was in those situations when I was dealing with depression. Hallelujah. I felt like I was going crazy. And I was because I thought I was. But really I wasn't. It was that thought that Satan tried to make me have. And really, in reality, I wasn't going crazy. I was just in my season. I was in a wilderness season. I didn't understand the different tests that come. The wilderness tests. The test of faith. The test of timing. Come on, the patience test. 
I didn't understand all these tests. So it began to control me. Amen. Because I began to think what really wasn't true. Amen. And because it wasn't true, I kept on thinking it. And really it wasn't true. So what he does is he takes his admonitions. That's why you got to have your shield of faith. Because what does your shield of faith do? It blocks you from what? Every what? Fiery dart. Because Satan, he unleashed his arrows to attack your thoughts. That's why you got to have up your shield of faith. Faith come by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. So when you got the word of God, and the word of God done hit you like bricks, when those arrows come, it's going to bounce back to sender. So we got to expect it and be ready to respond in the name of Jesus. So if you ain't living in the name, or if you don't have relationship in the name of Jesus, then those arrows going to get you. Because just because we say we are Christians, and just because we say we believe and we're saved, doesn't mean that we are immune to an onslaught of Satan because he's coming after us because he wants to try to make us a fool. He is an accuser of the brethren. So we fully understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rules of darkness of this world. Amen? Ephesians 6 and 12. Satan is like a what? Roaring lion. Will scare you. Amen? Right when we hear that, like, what's that? Seeking whom he may divide. But I don't care how loud he roared. Our weapon, the sword of the spirit, will cut him like a two-edged sword. So while that is true, we also know that if we are walking with the Lord, covered with the blood of Jesus and protected by the Holy Spirit, the devil cannot touch us. He may look through like a window. He's going to look in the window. He's going to look in. Because, you know, you got a window and it's open. You ain't got no curtain up. People look through a window. I mean, it's just it's just natural. If you're a person walking past, a curtain ain't up, they're going to look in the window. Or even if a curtain is up, it's a window right there. You just so happen to look in the window. That's what Satan does. He looks through the window to see, is there anything in there he likes? He goes shopping. He said, oh, okay. They out of the wheel over here. They doing this over there. Hmm, okay. This window, oh. Then they over there doing that. Wow. They, they got a bay window. They got a wide open window. And I see everything. So he's going window shopping. Satan go window shopping too. See, we go window shopping in the natural. Oh, I'm going to get that purse. I'm going to get those shoes. That's just how Satan does in our life. He go window shopping. Say, oh, I'm going to get their mind. I'm going to get their heart. I'm going to get their faith. Come on now. I'm going to get their truth. Come on now. I'm going to get their life. That's what he does. He go window shopping to see your weaknesses. To see how you're going to just cage in to him. Amen. So when he began to look through that window, then he began to see, he said, but he will not be able to gain access if we don't give him access. See, that line he could not cross. See, we have all been his target. But I can tell you that the day, the day that I began to read all this and understand God's word, I'm telling you, I was free. Amen. Because the anointing of God on my life. Amen. It gave me, a, a, it opened my eyes to another level. Amen. 
to let me see that even when Satan looked through my window, the spirit of depression was gone. The spirit of oppression was gone. The spirit of anxiety was gone. The spirit of lying was gone. The spirit, all of those things that was in my window for him to shock, God have already put it on the cross. God have already healed me and delivered me from it. And then all I had to do was just stay in the store, in God's word. Not come out the store, but stay in the store and keep my window nice. Keep my window displayed really nice and keep it light and keep it bright. No darkness can come into my window. Then I didn't have to worry about Satan coming in because he comes into dark windows because he is, uh, he, he like darkness. He don't like light. That's why the Bible promised that liberty, liberty is something that will set free every one of us. Amen. Hallelujah. So how can we continue to live under such a black cloud, continue to live in a window that is so dark, amen, and and, and in the spiritual bondage when we know and we see the promises of God in our life, not only by what has been preached to us, but what's in the word of God, amen. So I cannot help but to ask myself, what is wrong with so many people's salvation? If we find ourselves in this category, it is time for us to rise to the level of God's word. It's time for us to get in God's word like never before. It's time for us to eat it morning, afternoon, night, in the middle of the night. Eat it. Let it hit us like bricks. Amen. So the Lord can lift, amen, us up out of our pit and place us back on the mountaintop where we belong. Amen. What a perfect, perfect sound, right? Because most of us is under the mountain because we now have allowed God's promise to activate in us. Today, in the mighty name of Jesus, I speak to God's promise on your life, God's promise that's in the word. And I defend, declare that you receive the power and authority, hallelujah, of the power of God in your life so that you will be able to tread over every serpent, every lion, every adder, every every scorpion that the Lord said that our souls of our feet shall trample upon, that we shall crush the head of Satan, that you will know and understand that through God's word that this is what God has said and God is doing for us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So as we look at, at, at what God is speaking to us on how Satan operates, we could not ignore what we have just discussed. Amen. And we must understand that in all of this, we know that God has an eternal purpose, amen, when he had made heaven and earth, amen, and it was for us to live in, amen, but it's also for us not to get comfortable to stay, because one day, one day, Jesus Christ will come, and he will come back for his bride, and when he come back for his bride, we have to be ready, and we have to be ready. Because when he's coming back, there's no blemish and there's no spot. It should be on neither one of us. Because when he's coming back, we're a glorious bride. And we're going to be ready. And Satan, you have been exposed. Because the Lord God is speaking to us and destroying these strongholds. And cutting down every foothold, every toehold, and every stronghold that's been placed in my life. And God is bringing truth. He is bringing the truth and setting the captors free. Time out for us just sitting in the church, just living in bondage. No. People come in the church. It's time for them to work in the kingdom of God. It's time for you to work, daughter. 
You got work to do. And the Lord is going to put you to work for the kingdom of God. So you ain't coming here to sit on a pew and waiting, saying, well, when I'm, no. God is going to use you in the right timing, in the right timing for those under the sound of my voice. And I know many more is coming. That's why we break every spirit and every negative word curse that has been spoken over this ministry, SOAR International Outreach Network. Because the Lord God has many that shall come and that shall receive truth, that shall receive his word, that shall be sent out in the vineyard to be laborers because the laborers are few, but the harvest is plenty. And they shall come, be equipped, and be sent back out in the vineyard to do the work of God. So I break every negative word curse. I break every mind thought. I bring down every vain imagination. I bring down every stronghold in the mighty name of Jesus. Because as long as the Lord God is using me, I'm going to speak the truth. So help me God. In love and power and administration so that people will know and see the real power that lies in God and that lies in them because God has given us power and authority. We're not powerless. Satan is. He got the power, but he doesn't have the authority. And we will not, we will not, not on this watch, let him steal authority that God's been given. That's why we must give truth. We must preach and teach this what is the people know. Because most people don't know this truth. So I know that this is blessing somebody. We're coming back with series three. And at the very end of all these series, we're going to have CDs made where you can go back and listen. Because this is going to bless some people. There's four other ministries right now under the sound of my voice that is teaching on these things right now. And we're bouncing back, back and forth, learning, receiving from one another. Because it's time that the people of God get the truth. Because we sit in church and just say hallelujah, praise God, sing a song, and people are sitting in bondage. They've got so many strongholds that's holding them back. They don't even know what God has given them. They're letting people hold them back. No more are we going to be held down. Either you with us or you're not. And if you're not, that's okay. Because we're going forward. And we're going to do what God's called us to do. Think that. We're moving forward. Amen. We thank you. We thank you for joining us. And there's somebody out there that is under the sound of my voice. I know you know the Lord, but maybe you haven't have given him your life. Or maybe you have given him your life, and maybe you have, you know, walked out in disobedience. Maybe you feel like you, you, you have moved far away from the things of God. Or maybe somebody that have not yet confessed with their mouth or believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Or you may not have asked in the Lord God to forgive you of all these things that you have done. So right now is the time. Go ahead and forgive the Lord. 
ask the Lord God to forgive you. Forgive you. Forgive you of all the things that you may have done. To forgive you of all the things that you may have said, knowingly or unknowingly, that have been against God's word, against him. Ask him to forgive you. That's the first step. Because before you can receive him, you have to ask him for forgiveness. So ask the Lord God to forgive you. He'll forgive you. See, people, they say they forgive you, but you know they really don't when they constantly bring stuff back up and back up in your mind. That's when you know they really truly don't forgive you. One thing about God, God, when he forgives us, he forgives us. He's not going to bring it back up. So God is saying to you, give it to him, and he will forgive you. Now go ahead and confess to the Lord and leave him alone and believe the Lord God. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. And those that know him and have just been in diso- walking in disobedience, and, and, and you see maybe some of these strongholds that we just recognize in this teaching, you know, have really um, got a hold to you. Just ask God to free you right now. He can free you. He can set you free. You can go through deliverance right now, but it's going to be continual deliverance. And your your most deliverance that you're going to receive mainly is when you begin to read more in God's word. God's word is going to begin to wash you. God's word is going to begin to cleanse you. The Lord God is going to be going to teach you how to um, denounce those 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 things that have tried to hold you down and take you through those um, that deliverance even more and then send divine people through your life those that are divine and called God's helpers through your life to be a help to you to really bring life and light in your life hallelujah and all you have to do is open up your mouth wide and ask the Lord God for the free gift of the Holy Spirit because you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what allows you to trample over every serpent, every scorpion, every cobra, every Hermione and Hydrophobe. And make the Satan come under your foot. Your healer is God. He is the Holy Spirit. Because it has all power and demonstration and authority from the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's him himself. So guess what? Welcome to the kingdom of God. You are saved. God bless you. And if you ever you, you reach out to us, 513-414-6678, Shore International Outreach Network. I am Lady Apostle. And God bless you. And next week, Series 3. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you all for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you. Amen. So right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, we close up any breach in our life that will give Satan and demons access in our life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare that every hedge broken in our life is restored in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We stand in the gap and make up the hedges in the name of Jesus Christ. We repent and receive forgiveness for any sin, any transgression, any iniquity that has opened the door of any spirit to enter and operate in our life, in your ministry, in our business, in our family, in our children, in any baggage that you have given to us, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, we are the builder of the wall and the repairer of the breach, in the mighty name of Jesus, and right now we reannounce 
uh, Paul put the speech that would have caused a breach in the name of Jesus. We destroy all spoken curses and negative words that we have spoken or anybody else has spoken over our life in the mighty name of Jesus. We destroy, hallelujah, all curses and negative words, Lord God, um, um, over um, our children's life, over our family life, or in life of others, oh God, including those in authority, anybody that has spoken out of your will, oh God, over our life negative right now. We ask you, oh God, to break every word cursed in our life in the name of Jesus. We destroy and disannul all ungodly covenants, oaths, and pledges that we have made with our lips, with our heart, with our mind, our spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus. We bind up all of our breaches, O oh Lord. We command every breach to be stopped now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we command our walls be salvation and our gates praise. And we put on the full armor of God now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. And we ask and we thank you, Lord God, for placing your cloak of humility, your cloak of uh, peace, your cloak of love over us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we decree a hedge of protection around our mind, our body, your ministry, your our business, our family, our children, our possessions, our finances, our bodies, our life, and all those that you have heard others speak and pray in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. Lord, we turn every curse spoken against our life, against your ministry, against our business, against our life, our health, our children, our finance, or anything or anybody that we have. You, you put us, Lord God, in hedge of regard and to stand before right now, oh God, um, into a blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. So we turn every curse spoken against our ministry, our finances, our business, our children, our family, and we turn it into a blessing. So any curse word that anybody placed on anything in our lives, and guess what? It ain't going to be a curse. It's a blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen and glory to God. God bless everybody. Thank you for joining us. And we'll be back on next Thursday, same time, 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to uh, finish out talking um, about how to overcome strongholds. Amen. And how to study God's word. Amen. To discover how Hallelujah, we can overcome the um, acts uh, of Satan. Amen. So until next time, may God bless you. And I'm telling you, I believe the turning of the and mastering of the tongue really, really did something today. Amen. So make sure you go back and listen to that because that was really powerful. Amen. So God, we thank everybody for joining us. Until next time, may God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and glory to God.